developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Oh yeah, here we go. Choose your destiny. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. Oh, good lord. Actually, why do movie studios try to do this, man? The whole thing's going to make money anyway, but this is... I mean, this is a very polarizing film, one way or another. Like, on one hand, it's entertaining, but on the other hand, it's underwhelming. So it's entertaining, underwhelming, and then it comes together as passable and not anything to really, really go into. This is the underwhelming entertainment that is always being thrown around. Oh, well, hey... You guys voted for it, so let's talk about it. Welcome to the J-Man Show here on G360 going on j360 legion welcome to the j man show here for episode 203 and you know what we are so far so but yet so close but so far from 300 i can feel 300 in my veins oh when we hit 300 man we're gonna be doing some wild stuff for that let me just tell you that but as we are climbing up through the 200 ranks i just want to say ah it's it's such a good ride and i'm glad you're all joining me here today now However, since things were pretty pressed for time last week, I mean, I went ahead and I got vaxxed up, and I didn't know how I was going to be or how I was going to act throughout the whole week, so things were kind of uh, topsy-turvy. But now's a bit of a way to kind of get things back to normal. So I was sitting there thinking, would I do one on Godzilla vs. Kong, or would I do one on Mortal Kombat? So I went ahead and I left it up to you guys to choose, and a poll on Twitter about it. And let's see, 60% of you picked Mortal Kombat, and then like 40% of you were going Godzilla vs. Kong. Okay, so here's how we're going to do this. We might have to do it the film redemption route, or we might have to do it the a different kind of way. But I want to just say this. We're not going to do it A to Z. We're not going to do it all that stuff. We're going to talk about the things that, you know, that were enjoyable about the movie, and we're going to talk about the things that were not so pleasant about the movie. And then we're going to talk about, like, some of the WTFs that went on and involved in it. Because, I mean... The one that was picked is Mortal Kombat. So if you did not see this movie yet, you do not necessarily have to listen to this episode entirely. But if you have not seen this movie and decided to go ahead and complain anyways, what kind of a monster are you? And while we're on the subject here, you're an a-hole for doing that. It's not necessarily fun doing that kind of stuff. I mean, one way or another, when you get called out on certain things and you know you have no idea what you're talking about and then you want to say how to make a better movie, that's just eating yourself if anything like this you know you want to talk about what's going on so at the risk of spoiling and not spoiling this for you guys no we will not go to a to z about this we will hop around as much as they try to do in that last act of the movie but you see first off when it comes to the video games the video games 
are not flawless themselves. Matter of fact, if you remember the Deadly Alliance era, a lot of people were turned off by it. A lot of people were very upset that Liu Kang got killed. Me, on the other hand, I was actually happy about it. Because, I mean, it went a different route, would it? But I also know that when Mortal Kombat 4 came around, you know, the series was kind of entering a dork age. Like, you know, one way or another, it was just going to get kind of meh. Because they had to break away from the way that they designed the first three. And the first three will always be legendary. But, you know, at one point, you can tell that in a way they got kind of corny with a few things. But that was just, it was new. It was in the 90s. It was the hype, you know? Just like when, when like, uh, let's see, the first two came out and the first Mortal Kombat movie came out. All that hype surrounded that movie. That was actually what was the saving grace. Things really fell apart by the time Annihilation came into our lives. So, you see, Annihilation was just a trash movie. But the first movie, it's a cult classic, and it's enjoyable to those that grew up with the way the series was. Like, the series was still new at the time, you know what I mean? And then later on, you had, like, Mortal Kombat Trilogy, and then you had, like, Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks, and then you had, and yeah, I would say mythological, you know, Sub-Zero, but at the same time, no. (laughs) Hell no! That game was trash, man. That's why a lot of us waited until Mortal Kombat 4. I will be honest with you about it. Even though at the same time, I will let you know what the saving graces of this new movie was. But you see, like when they went into Mortal Kombat 9, 10, and 11, that was cinematic. That was beautiful. That was a return to form. No more dork aging about it. Like one way or another, those games alone are cinematic. So if you went to go see this movie and you felt as though that it was underwhelming and you felt as though like, you know, you didn't get the proper payoff. Well, let me just tell you about this. okay? because I I have a good buddy that actually hosts a nice podcasting group or actually I should say a nice indie media group. And um, I got nothing but respect for him. So shout out to King Kurt about it over there at the HNIC podcast. Because let me tell you this, that dude is hilarious. And not to mention like all stuff that goes down on what he was talking about. Because I was like, you know, when I saw the movie, I thought it was meh, passable. I thought like one way or another, it was all over the place around about the second. Like, like after we got into getting to know who the main character was of this movie, then it kind of went its own way. But it kind of came back when it was time to actually, you know, get the fights together, if you get my drift. But you see, the thing about it is there's moments where, like, WTF or, like, why is this even a thing? This is sloppy here. Oh, so you guys are just going to go this route, right? Because the real movie comes in about two years after this one, you know? Because some of the actors have been signed on for at least, like, what, three more sequels or so? So I know the, I know the man that's playing as Sub-Zero, uh, Joe Taslim, he's actually signed on for four movies, so, yeah, unlike certain people I know that said five movies, God, why would you want to do five movies to tell one complete story? I'll never know. But then again, that's just about the same as saying why, why do the same thing with three games, right? So it's like, but like I said, one way or another, the return to form, if you really like the Mortal Kombat lore, and if you really want to see it done right in the medium, just go back to the medium that started it all. I mean, even the comics kind of deviated a little bit. I mean, one way or another, when there's so much transformation regarding a franchise that's marketable as Mortal Kombat, it's going to be different in other ways. It's the same thing that happened with Street Fighter, you know? Like, one way or another, we loved that street, first Street Fighter movie, didn't we? But we absolutely hated that Legend of Chun-Li movie. And, and we all know this. And you see, because of the Legend of Chun-Li movie, that's the benchmark right there won't for me. Because I'm like, you know what? If it's as bad as this, or it makes this look good, somewhere along the line in the incubation process, it just wasn't done justice. And it wasn't going to be. 
But you see, the thing is, you can look at this and say, like, I also say, like, there are moments where I'm sitting there watching Mortal Kombat, and I'm like, huh, okay, um, Raiden really didn't do much in this movie, did he? I mean, he did quite a lot in the other ones. I mean, the second one, let's just say, you know, other than Shao Kahn is my brother, you know, he, he pretty much held his own, played by James Remar. I don't know why they didn't put Christopher Lambert back in, but whatever. But you see, like, in this particular movie, like, you know, he actually, he was helpful when he needed to be. Let's just say that. I mean, he did kind of help um, Cole Young find his arcana, right? I mean, and then, like, the main character in general. A lot of people have a problem with Cole Young. But I think Cole Young, more or less, wasn't really the problem of that movie. He just wasn't, you know, like, I I probably would have responded better to Liu Kang anyway. Because Liu Kang's the main character of the franchise. But now it's more of a... Now it's more of an ensemble kind of thing, you know, like, like more or less, you you know, whoever you want to follow, it could be either Johnny Cage, it could be Sonya Blade, it could be um, Liu Kang, it could be like whoever's on Earth from at the time. And it's like one way or another, each and every single game added more characters to go ahead and grow the mythos. So as the mythos have grown, yeah, there isn't just one main character anymore. So that's how the way they were going about it. And then not only that, they didn't want to go with Johnny Cage. They went ahead and said, you know what? Yeah, let's just go ahead with this guy. He's complete unknown. It's new. So maybe we can fit in his shoes. Maybe we can go ahead and be a part of the world that he's a part of. Like, if anything, he best represents us. Because, like, who are these other characters? Who are we getting to know? At least that's what the production notes said. So as we do go through the shoes of Cole Young, we see that not only are we, um, (laughs) well, we are considered a fighter. But we get our ass kicked throughout most of the damn movie. So, because, you know, one way or another, we are of a significant bloodline, Scorpion's bloodline, that is. But then you realize that one way or another, we are getting our asses kicked left and right because we have yet to tap into our potential and what our soul arcana is to explain the powers in the movie. Now, while you're going to say this and be like, oh, so that's why they're able to use magical powers and crap... You know, I remember like a long time ago where we really didn't have to explain anything. Sometimes things just were. And then at the end of like, um, in the beginning of the older Mortal Kombat movie, like when Liu Kang used his powers, he wasn't on Earth Realm. He was in Outworld. Remember? He was in Outworld when he used the fireball. He was in Outworld where he did the bicycle kick and all that stuff. So that was actually pretty cool. When you go through like dimensional gates, you're able to use like different powers and all. So I think that's pretty cool. But you see, this movie also talked about a tournament. And as we all know, Mortal Kombat is the deciding factor. And the one thing that's stopping Outworld, because Outworld is all sorts of messed up, they decide to annex and take over other realms. I remember reading that somebody said, like, Outworld is ugly. No sh- No kidding, right? Yeah, no, no kidding. If you actually paid attention, Outworld is ugly. Outworld's a wasteland. That's why Shao Kahn and company went to annex other realms. They did it to Edenia, and then they figured, hey, you know what? Let's go over to Earth Realm. I like that, too. That's what they do. You know? That's the plot. But when you get right down to it, though, like, uh, a lot of people will... I don't know who they got up there writing these things, but... Did you actually watch the movie? You see, like, I, I understand, like, certain things take place, but... The movie's exciting for one thing. It should have, it, technically, that movie really only has one job, to entertain you with fights. And let me tell you this, there's gores, there's fatalities, and then there's a lot of other stuff in between. There's even some brutality moments. But you see, like in order for us to actually enjoy those things, we have to get through a lackluster um, 
a lackluster story, you know, Cole having to find himself. And then the B story of it is, is Cole actually finding his will to fight, which is for his family. And that was what brought about his arcana. And in order for his arcana to come together, he had to fight against something that was very dangerous and very brutal, not to mention like scary as hell. And for God uh, reasons unknown, they went ahead and used Goro for it. You see, and, and I'm like, what, why'd you put Goro in the scene? Isn't Goro the reason why? <laughs> isn't Goro the reason why the Outworld has like nine wins? And then at the end of the day, so you use your champion on Earth Realm in a tournament battle or a battle esh kind of thing that nobody ever sees or knows about. That's very stupid for this movie. And then not to mention the movie talking about the tournament, and you never had a tournament. I mean, you got Shang Tsung, the the. <laughs> who's nine ahead is worried about this one tournament dude like one way or another just have the tournament matter of fact you're the messenger or send messengers or whatever because that's what he used to do see a long time ago before the whole oh dragon marking tells you that you're chosen and everything you know they used to just send those things out to him whoever is the warrior and all that stuff. he would talk to him and say guess what you have been summoned for mortal Kombat," and that's usually how it went down but as before, this particular movie took liberties, what's already established in the lore, and just went ahead and did it to a way that would probably please movie fans and probably please video game fans. And depending on who you talk to, it no, it didn't succeed like anything. If anything, it was a very underwhelming, felt kind of franchise cash hog, you know? Like, for one thing is, it's like, you know how nowadays, like, everything's on that franchise trilogy kick nowadays? Like, there's got to be at least three movies or nothing? That's what this movie was. This movie, like, had all the action. It had, it had Melina. It had, yeah, but no Katana. It had Liu Kang, Kung Lao. And then it also had um, Sonya. It had Scorpion in it, even though it took a while for him to get there. And then it also had, like, Sub-Zero. See, a lot of people say, and then Kano, and then Jax, and then Shang Tsung, even though he didn't really do much, you know. So, he did, a, he did a bit, but he didn't do much. And he had Cabal in there. A lot of people were happy to see Cabal. I, I thought Cabal was okay, but once again, he didn't really serve any purpose other than a few laughs and then just chiding with Kano about a few things and saying a bunch of off-color jokes, which Kano was excelling at. That was his whole thing. But you see, like, the characters that were involved in this movie were a mere handful compared to all the other ones that are out there. Now, like, there's just an abundance of characters, especially with all the ninjas are nothing but a bunch of palette swats. But at least then, the only two that you really care about is Scorpion and Sub-Zero. And they did that right. I mean, that's the one thing they pretty much did right in this movie. And then, of course, the banter between Sonya and Kano, they did that justice, too. And then, of course, you know, with Jax, actually, um, they did right by Jax getting his arms. But then they, <laughs> when his arcana came up and then his arms turned into those mechan- mechanized arms and all that stuff, I thought that was a bit much. But then again, there are stories where, like, you know, metal can turn into that kind of stuff for certain people, especially in, like, something like Mortal Kombat. The Mortal Kombat lore is able to get away with so much. It's just like, meh. But, you know, when it comes to a movie, we're very judgmental about it. And you see how you take these handful of characters in here, you know, you throw them all in, but at the same time, it feels a little off base in some because some of these characters are not given developmental time. See, this movie only lasts for like an hour and 50. 
So, you know, they're going to do whatever they can to chop that hour up, either with a bunch of exposition or prodding plots, like when they're trying to find their arcanas in the actual training at Raiden's Temple, which I thought was cool because it was a fight sequence. But I also thought that, you know what, I probably would have been better off if this took place at a tournament where there were a bunch of monks there and they're watching, like, the actual battle go down. You understand what I'm saying? Instead of, like, everybody being like, oh, well, Earth's champions are right here. And then, of course, you know, you got a handful of Earth's champions because Shang Tsung, of all people, you know, who's 9N, by the way, wants to go ahead and wipe them out and said, there will not be a tent tournament. We will destroy them before they are ready. Take them out now. Even though it said at the beginning that a handful of warriors are going to come when the blood of Hanzo falls. And his blood did fall because Behan, who later becomes Sub-Zero, did his job, which was pretty epic as hell. And right there, the start was like, it pulls you right in. Now, granted, it doesn't have the whole techno pump to get you going like the other movies did. But it kind of got you in there with that cinematic feel because you're like, gee, he's such a merciless killer. We got to see if he gets his comeuppance later in later in the movie. But you see, as we get there, it's it's just uneven when we're going about it, you know, because then there's times where we're in Outworld and then there's times where it's like Shang Tsung is coming with them to Earthrealm to do all this wild extra stuff. You understand what I'm saying? And then Sonya doesn't have a dragon marking, but she captured Kano, who does. And then you see, like, eventually, I'm like, okay, so this is kind of cool. So when he, when she beats the hell out of him, she gets the dragon marking, which she does. And then she starts utilizing her skill set and stuff. But then you realize, like, you know, she doesn't get to train with them because she didn't have one. They said that she was complete liability. And then they managed to find Jax, who's later there recovering before he gets his arms. Then eventually he gets, like, these small toothpick arms. People were making fun of him because of his small arms. I'm like this, though. If you ever were in a situation like that and you lost a limb, you'd have to train all that the remaining muscles you had to work with that um, mechanic limb that you have. I mean, like, actually, that's true to form. So, like, when somebody's running around making fun of that kind of stuff, I'm just sitting there thinking this. I'm like, <laughs> heaven forbid you ever lose any limbs because Lord knows you never got a brain. And I say that to roast. But it's the truth, though. People go too far with that stuff sometimes. But as soon as he got his arms and everything, you know, that was, like, when people replace him with different arms, like Hellboy and RoboCop and all that stuff, I thought that was funny. <laughs> but it's a little different when people don't understand, like, you know, he's recovering. And, you know, he feels down about himself because, you know, he lost his arms. And it's like that when you lose a limb. So you got to really pay attention to that, you know. But right there, like I said, that that's actually pretty good acting. Like right there, that works for the B story. But when it gets right down to, like, where these characters go, somebody's going to have to betray them, which is what Kano does. And, you know, they picked the right guy to talk to him about it, which was Cabal. Because Cabal and Kano, like, pretty much, they're on the same side anyway. They're about that black dragon life, you understand? So, you know, and this is after Kana finds his arcana. And then I liked how they actually teased them at the dinner table where they're all sitting there eating like, uh, you know, eating Chinese food. <laughs> and he asked for an egg roll. He got all pissy and stuff like that at Kung Lao. And then he managed to fire off his blast. And I was like, OK, that's cool. But once again, there's still something missing about Kano. Like, where's the where's the silver eye at? Like, where's, like, is there something that he could put on to cover that up or, or to enhance it? You know what I mean? Like, that would have been awesome. But you see, the thing is, Kano had, like, some of the funniest lines and some of the great detail. Like, his character was properly developed for this movie, believe it or not. 
But that's why a lot of people are like, he's the only saving grace of the movie. Like, everybody else is kind of dry, and everybody else is kind of, like, just trying to seem like they're just phoning it in. And I'm not going to deny you there, because there are times where when I saw Liu Kang on screen, I was excited. But then I saw how Liu Kang was trying to act, and I was like, oh. Because, I mean, Robin Shu, he could act. He could fight. This Liu Kang can fight. And that's about it. Like he's he's really he's really trying. Like you know, you can tell he's just putting the time in. I think a friend of mine uh, said that you know Luke Kang's autistic in this movie. I'm like, stop it, man. You know. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, you know, it was nice to see his presence. And then I saw like Kung Lao show up doing all sorts of hat tricks and all the moves because I'm a Kung Lao user, and I was very excited to see him. Not to mention when he did his fatality against uh, another character that Shang Tsung was proud of, but none of us gave a damn. Because she got spliced up by the hat. And that was awesome. I didn't really care for her when he said, flawless victory. I was like, that was a reach. <laughs> you know? And then, what makes it even crazier is, is that, like, Shang Tsung kills him. Shang Tsung kills him and takes his soul. And I was like, oh, dude, damn. I was hoping for more with him, man. Because, like, like, well, I'm a little biased. But at the same time, yeah, I was hoping for more with him. That would have been cool. I mean, save that for the second movie, even. That would have been, like, a, a heart-wrenching moment. But, no, they didn't. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, I was like, okay, well, maybe there's going to be a final battle between Liu Kang and Shang Tsung in this. And then, well. And then, not only that, Cole Young got sent home in the movie. Like, Raiden looked at and said, you are not progressing well. Go home to your family. Like, I was like, damn. Like, to, to be sent home like that. But I also realized that that's a trope. Like, when you get sent somewhere, but it turns out that you are the chosen one, and you're the one that's going to change the tide of battle, you just had to go ahead and get dissed and thrown somewhere so that you could learn it. And then in doing so, they sent Goro to fight him, uh, and I was like, oh, okay. And now the only problem with that is, because I love Goro, it was it felt phoned in. It felt like, you know what, oh, well, we just need to shove, like, we just need to send some big monster at him because Goro always appears in, like, the first Mortal Kombat installment. Um, um, this is the way to do it. And then as Goro is pummeling and beating the living hell out of Cole, Cole realizes that his reason to fight, his arcana, is actually for his family. So as he goes through the, his arcana transformation, he starts to get the whole Black Panther Vibranian suit put on him. And then that is his ability the whole time. And then not only that, he can absorb hits and return the power back tenfold, to which he actually uses his uppercut to beat Goro, at the suggestion of his daughter, which he should have listened to in the beginning of the movie, but he didn't control the cage. So controlling the cage and controlling the environment, it actually serves as a, um, serves as a strategy for him. So he starts using that when he's able to be summoned back to Raiden, and he's like, Lord Raiden, you can send us anywhere you want, right? He's like, yes, yes, I can. You know, I wish Raiden would have remembered that earlier so he could gather all of Earthrealm's people. Because Shang Tsung already has all of his out Outworld people. And then they could go ahead and meet at the Nexus of Realities. And then they could have that damn tournament that was supposed to be the makings of this movie. Now, as I'm saying all this, you probably think, damn, Jay, you hate this movie. I don't hate the movie. I don't love the movie. I don't think the movie's 100% as bad as like how these people oversell the point of it being bad. But as I go about saying this, though, I thought it was really lazy on how they went about it. I thought it was really like, you know what, you can't make a complete movie, so 
you know, but this is Warner Brothers way now. This is like new Warner Brothers stuff because, uh, dare I say it, things are going to get real similar between this and my whole point of view with Godzilla versus Kong. Like, there, it was a good movie, but it could have been so much better. Like, there, there's so much more that they probably could have put in there. But I can understand, like, you know, one, two, three, and then your grand finale. Like, sometimes this stuff is so paint by numbers now. It gets ridiculous. And then, like, you realize why you have that extra hour of film time or in your script or whatever, you know? You realize why you have, like, um, usually a two-hour movie. Usually. But nowadays, oh, I guess we can't do that no more. Oh, well, you know, this is just really a video game property. Nobody really does that anymore. And it's like, no, 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 no. When you get lazy and you start holding back on different things like this, it cheapens the feel. Like, this is supposed to be the first installment. Not a trial edition. This is supposed to be a first installment. If anything, I'm sitting there kind of like as somebody who's playing the game. And then I know eventually that there's DLC coming. I know that one way or another I will buy it. But at the same time, I don't want to buy it. And at the same time, I feel like, you know, the core fighters should be able to hold our own before I give a damn about DLC. Or like, you know, that DLC is not a necessity for my entertainment. That's what it should be like. You understand? And this movie kind of kind of chokes on that. Like, the fights are great. Like, the battle sequences, nice. The fatalities, wonderful. But then you realize which characters are fighting against who. You know? Like, certain characters that have a history, like Sonya and Kano fighting. That's well done. Like, certain characters that should be facing off against each other with that arch enemy kind of feel. You know, Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Well done. They did that right. And then Cole Young, well, you know, he, he's in there because he's a descendant of Scorpion. So while that goes down, you understand what I mean. It's like, you know, he, he's there. But still, it's kind of like a, a toss like when, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to picture this right. I'm trying to put it in a way that it could be a saving grace for this movie. But you know, like when Mortal Kombat 9 had that tag feature where it was like, your two characters against, like, their strongest characters. Like, say, like, if you're beating up Shao Kahn at the same time. Yeah, that that kind of feel. That's nice. You know? Because, like, one way or another, when Scorpion showed up, I, I, was, I was back in, man. I was back in. I was like, yes, my dude is finally here. The problem is they kept unmasking him every time he had to say something. I was like, this is Spider-Man 3 BS. Yeah, no, no offense, Vic. I, I know you like Spider-Man 3. I redeemed Spider-Man 3. But at the same time, I cannot deny it. All the unmasking should have stopped. It's not, you know, it loses its impact by then. A friend of mine actually told me this at one time. That, you know, uh, that Scorpion could have taken his mask off at that one moment and it would have been epic. And by the way, shout outs to Ether Drive for that. But I'm just like, yeah, yeah, totally. That would, that would have been the defining chapter. Like as soon as he was about to burn him and said, remember this face. Boom. That could have worked. You know what I mean? But at that point, it was just like, nah, nah, nah. You know what I mean? When he kept doing that. But the fight was okay. I loved the fight. And not only that, a lot of people say Kano was the saving grace of this movie. I'm going to say the saving grace of this movie was Sub-Zero, and you know that the fight was eventually going to happen between him and Scorpion. That was my saving grace of it. And, you know, usually I, I like to think that the fight against the monster would be like, you know, I like seeing Goro, but, you know, something, something about... What, what What is wrong with WB and their CGI? 
I'm just saying, like, really, what is wrong with it? Like, you know, like, I look at Goro right then and there, and I'm like, well, it's nice to see you on screen, buddy, but they didn't even say your name. They venomed you in Spider-Man 3. Damn, am I going to be making those jokes for the rest of the episode? <laughs> Maybe. Okay, actually, I'm being a little disingenuous there. Shang Tsung did announce and said, Prince Goro, it is an honor to have Shokan royalty. No, man. That, that was a waste. Yeah. Yeah, it was a waste. I mean, like, more or less, there was no development for Goro at all. He might as well not said his name. I know they ain't saying it in the battle. Goro would have thumped his chest, and he would have announced himself because that's what he would have done. He's Prince Goro. He would let you know that. Oh, there I go. <laughs> Game marking out again. Anyway, back to the movie. But it's just like, you know, one way or another, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay. So Cole Young versus Goro. Okay, let's see how this goes down. To which, by the way, I think it was Johnny Cage that fought Goro at one time, didn't it? Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And now, in the older movie, we go by that. Yeah, that actually happened. And it was a very entertaining spiel. Like, it, they did a great job with that. You know, especially with the puppet works. But, you know, it's just like, hmm. Well, it was nice to see him on screen again anyway. But, like I said, if anything, I, I wasn't impressed by it. The kid in me probably would have been, but I, I wasn't impressed by it. And then, of course, you know, like, I was really looking forward to see, like, who was going to be battling Shang. And then, like, Shang doesn't get a final battle. Everything gets open until the next movie, which will probably lead to the actual tournament. So maybe these movies are designed to lead to the tournament. But then again, if he's out there killing off people, who's going to get to that tournament anytime soon? You know? And then, like, only that, they didn't fulfill the promise for that. You see... Sometimes with movies, it usually depends on if the first movie was a success or it depends on, like, if everything's actually coming together and they recoup, then they'll probably shoehorn for that next one. At least that was the way old movies were. Nowadays, I think it's because of pet projects and, you know, people nowadays are rating movies from good to excellent. They don't consider bad. And if it's a honest, truthful, negative review, they'll never, ever post it because it's just a bad look. People can't, you know, when they say, like, Independent content creators can't take criticism. Well, you take a look at mainstream media. Mainstream media is always like this. Well, what is criticism? Um, um, you know, why, why didn't you like it? It's just like if people listen to this episode and they probably don't like it either. It's just, I don't give a damn. I still have to keep going. You know what I mean? You can't fault something on a bad performance. You just try again anyway. But in this particular movie right here, you see, the movie is at least watchable. That's what I do. I don't rate it to tell you what's a good or a bad movie because that depends in solely on my opinion. You can look at the J-Man Show episode 10 for that. Depends solely on my opinion and your opinion. Whereas a friend of mine thought this movie was dog ass. I thought it was passable. And the only reason why that is is because, like, you know, they are trying to make a franchise out of this. They are trying to make a sequel to this. But I think, once again, that WB, of all people, should not be all, all, always going for this. I think WB, of all people, should try to make one good movie, a complete movie, and then come back with a sequel. You know how big the Mortal Kombat franchise is? Yeah. You can make a lot of movies with that. You know how many characters are in Mortal Kombat? I mean, once again, this is just like, maybe they're probably like Fox. When You know when Fox had the X-Men franchise and no Disney control. They don't know what they have. That must be it. Because you see, like, they not only own 
Like, they pretty much own that IP, now that I think about it. Because, let's see, not only is it a film franchise for them now, but it's also, yeah, they also own the games. Like, how do you mess this up? You know? Or how do you get lazy with it? And then, see, like, I always say, like, story's important to me, because I'm a writer. You know what I mean? I always say, like, the story should be important and how filmable that screenplay is. Now, I don't know how many screenplays that were probably sent in for this movie, but... This production draft is probably is probably excrement on paper. It probably is, but you know, my friend he actually spoke out about this. Uh, not not the same one that really hated this movie, but uh, <laughs> my other friend Marco spoke out about this and told me that like you know you can have a bad script, but you can make the movie work. And truth be told, yeah, you can. But I'm like this, like how did they miss the ball on this one? You know, like, how do they have so many undeveloped, underdeveloped characters? And then, like, you know, how how do they have so many lackluster, unnecessary scenes? And then, like, you know, it's like one way or another they had a plan to go with this. And then they just got rid of it at some point. Like, right about the time when Sub-Zero shows up. And then, like, you know, Jack saves Cole Young and his family. Like, somewhere along that line, things got shafted. And and I don't know what, what it could be, but it's like this. You know, you got to stop holding out for the second movie. I would say, like, you, you make a complete movie. At least, despite its flaws, like the first Mortal Kombat movie in 1995 felt like a complete movie. I mean, until you saw, like, Shao, Shao Kahn's face come out at the end, and he says, you weak, pathetic fools, I've come for your souls. And now, right there, that gets you hooked up for a sequel, but at the same time, you can watch this first one any damn time you want. You know, but as you watch this first one, it feels like, okay, okay, I'm I'm getting through. Because I remember the first time I watched it, I liked it. And then I try to watch it the second time, and it's like, mm, okay, okay. But you see, that's the thing. That's why this movie is not necessarily a high mark for me. It's just passable. It's just watchable. Like, you won't remember too much out of it because that's just what it is. And it really depends on, like, who actually you talk to, you know? So what would I rate it in terms of, like, well, let me use the Knuckles from um, the Monster Fest for that. I would give it two. I would give it two Bloody Knuckles. Nah. We'll use the Bloody Knuckle rating system for, like, movies like these. But I'm going to just tell you this. Like, yeah, it, it would just be two. Like, if anything, I expect it more, but I would just, you know... It's passable. It's just like one way or another, Warner Brothers is trying hard to have that franchise of their own because right now it's kind of open-ended whether Godzilla is going to be the continuation or not. And then after a while, you'll sit there and it's like, hey, we got Mortal Kombat. Why don't we work with this? But what's even funnier is, is that when this Mortal Kombat movie came out, they didn't push anything for the games. They didn't tell you, like, hey, guess what? You know, we, we're going to re-release Mortal Kombat 9 on all latest systems. Or, hey, guess what? We're going to go ahead and we're going to push a deal for all of our Mortal Kombat games to go ahead and back this. You didn't hear nothing about it. But you heard that it was coming out in April. And I thought that was just, hmm. You know, it's just, like, what, where do you go from here? <laughs> like for real like and, and that's just the thing like sometimes it's kind of it's hard to talk about like i can't just say oh i automatically hate this movie because everybody else hates this movie i just say like more or less like it's watchable but that one time when you enjoy it it's all right 
But that second time, though, you see where all the flaws are. You see where, like, they're saying, oh, this second movie's coming in. And then, like, you see, like, where they have Johnny Cage's, like, picture in the back. So apparently he's going to be a big deal in the second one. So it, it, it gets you hooked. But at the same time, you're really going through endurance to get there. And then there are moments where it's like, you know, you want to see, like, at least a little fight between Shang Tsung, Liu Kang, or, well, Cole Young already has this problem, but you want to see, like, there's actually a blood feud now between, you know, Shang Tsung and Liu Kang, as it always has been, but there's more of one now because Kung Lao is gone. So, yeah, right then and there, you would like to see a little bit of that, but it never happened. So, yeah, it's just, I just, um... Yeah, you, you can see how my hype kind of dies down. That's that's kind of how you feel for the movie, you know? But other than that, though, I'm just going to say this. Yeah, you should actually check this movie out. You should actually take a look at it and see if you like it. But if you don't want to, you don't get to complain about it. And if you really want that games lore to be 100% credible to you, just play the games. Just play MK9 through MK11, and you'll thank me later. Hell, when you look at this, to be honest with you, why don't you just play Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe while you're at it? Yeah, that'll tide you over because pretty much it... (laughs) Ugh, my God. You know? But hey, once again, though, I don't tell you whether movies are good or bad. I just tell you if they're watchable or not. And whereas with Sonic, though, it's kind of the opposite. Sonic's games have been kind of iffy, but that movie was pretty damn good. The Mortal Kombat games have come back to prominence, and the movie's kind of, eh. See what I'm saying? So, it's all on your call on this one. But for me, two bloody knuckles. As far as, like, a film redemption goes, not going to happen with this film. Now, another thing I want to make fun of. A lot of you are actually shilling. See, some of y'all were hating out there because it was cool to do. But I'm sure some of y'all are back there saying, I really like this movie, really loved it. I thought it was great and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. But let's just say this, right? Some of you out there are participating in that fan casting, though. You know the fan casting for Johnny Cage. Yeah, a lot of y'all are sitting out there saying, I want The Miz or I want Ryan Reynolds. You really don't want Chris Pratt up in there or Owen Wilson or any of the other generic people? Or, hey, how about somebody that really needs to get their acting chops out there, huh? How about actually casting somebody to actually take center stage to be Johnny Cage? It would be actually cool. You know what I mean? But, hey, you know what? What do I know, right? I'm just trying to go ahead and be a director and producer myself and give everybody a shot that Hollywood wouldn't give a shot. So, you know, why not? (laughs) but other than that though um i want you all to take it easy from here on out that's the end of this episode i mean i'd go into it a little bit further but then again no anyway you guys take it easy for me we'll be back with episode 204 later this week this is j-man signing off peace